Welcome to the podcast. Today, a special guest on the Glenn Beck program. Thank you. It's Glenn Beck. Thank you very much. Thank you. I thought I would do my own uh, podcast here uh, just for a little while. Um, Today's podcast is great. I have been out of the country for a couple of weeks, and I have a few things that I really want to talk about. That is Epstein, that's gun control, your gun rights, and so much more. Great podcast. You don't want to miss it. listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. In an average year in the U.S., there are 31,000 homicides, suicides, or accidental shootings, resulting in around 15,000 deaths per year. However, private citizens use firearms for self-defense between 800,000 and 2.5 million times a year. The wide range is because so much defensive gun use goes unreported to the police. But if you look at those stats, that means firearms are 80 times more likely to be used to protect and defend life versus taking life. By the way, that comes from the CDC. Of the defensive gun uses by private citizens in the U.S., between 80,000 and 200,000 of those involve women using a firearm to defend herself from sexual assault. That's just from the oh-so-conservative Journal of Criminal Law. The FBI crime data set says the uh, the ATF estimates there are currently 290 million firearms in private ownership in the U.S., That's excluding any kind of collector or replica firearms. That is up from 210 million guns in 1995. So that's a 29% increase in 24 years. Yet over that same time span, violent crime in the U.S. has fallen by 50%. And violent assaults involving a firearm have fallen by 55%. Again, just from the FBI. The United States boasts the highest firearm ownership rate per capita, 89 firearms owned for every 100 uh, citizens. The next closest country is Yemen. That has about half the gun rate per capita. The U.S. has firearm ownership rate that is 12 times that of the U.K., 40 times that of China. Yet despite such a huge firearm ownership rate, the U.S. is not in the top 10 of homicide rates, nor are we in the top 20, nor are we in the top 30, nor are we in Casey's top 40. If you measure the total number of international homicides per 100,000 citizens, the United States comes in at 103. That's about in the middle. By the way, that is from the oh-so-conservative U.N. homicide stats. Using U.N. data, researchers are are uh, confirming now uh, at Harvard that in Western democracies, there is a negative correlation between firearm ownership rates and gun homicide rates, meaning John Lydon Lott has been right this whole time. More guns does equal less crime. Despite having some of the most restrictive firearm laws among Western democracy, the United Kingdom has a violent crime rate that is more than four times that of the U.S. 
The UK population suffers 2,034 violent crimes for every 100,000 citizens. If in the US we endure 466 per 100,000, why is it such a problem here? Why should we be more like England? In fact, almost every country in the EU has a much higher rate of violent crime per capita compared to the U.S. These are things that we like to call facts. During mass shooting events in the U.S., the average number of deaths when police end the mass shooting is 14.3. The average number of dead when a private citizen with a gun ends the mass shooting is 2.3. And by the way, I'm not one of those that believes that 2.3 equals a mass shooting. But if you are, let's take those stats. If you're waiting for the police to arrive to stop a mass shooter, six times more people will die. Police officers from federal to local levels kill an average of 606 criminals per year. Private citizens using firearms in self-defense kill 1,527. I'm not going to wait around for the police to protect me. There is a false narrative going on. And now even the Republicans are starting to fall into this trap. They're afraid. They're afraid. Why are they afraid? Because they don't know the stats oh my gosh you know what this is this is white nationalism that's what this is this is white nationalism really is that what this is right now people are claiming that there are 250 mass shootings in america 250 in the last 12 months really well yes If you agree that mass shootings mean two or more people injured or killed, well, that would mean that duel that uh, Hamilton and Burr had was a mass shooting. That was called a duel. If If you look at the real numbers, mass shootings... These are coming from people now that say that two or more victims have to be injured, including the assailant. But let's just take that number because that's the number you get 250 from. Well, the reality is that 75% of those mass shootings are black or Hispanic males. And 99% of mass shootings involve handguns. Because the vast, vast majority of mass shootings by two or more, that definition, would end up being gang or drug-related violence. So banning assault weapons or anything of the type would have zero material impact to lives saved or lost due to mass shootings of two or more. When you actually look at mass shootings and you, you call them what they really are, it's not two Maybe it's four, maybe it's six, I don't know, but it's definitely not two. You go from a number of 250 to six mass shootings. Now that is still six too many, but that number is at least reasonable. 
six mass shootings. That is horrible. But let's use that number now, six, because surely we can prove that it was white supremacy that did it until you realize that even when you look at the numbers this way, it's now half were white. So you either have 75% of the 250 killings being black or Hispanic, or you have half of them being black or Hispanic. Either way, it doesn't seem like a white supremacist problem. And either way, banning ARs don't work, wouldn't solve it. So what would? So I'm going to say something that is... Uh, not heard, I guess, in America. Not Nobody wants to talk about this. But the shootings in America are not the problem. Any shootings that we have in America, those are symptoms. Because here's the truth. We're sick. We are a really sick culture right now. We are sick as a people. We're sick as a nation. Culturally, We're sick as individuals. Many of us are sick. Suicides are way up. Why? Because of the razor blades? Or because people are sick? The drug epidemic is the same. Is that just because China is doing the opioid war against us now? Is that the reason? Or is it that we're sick? Is it that we sh- we could fix the opioid thing? We could fix suicides by tougher laws. Does that even make sense? Something in us has changed. Something within us, our neighbors, our families, our towns. What is the disease that is eating us? Because it's killing not just the the innocent, or just the guilty. It's killing both. It's killing all of us. Politicians, media, and frankly, most Americans don't say a word weekend after weekend of the latest 25 dead in Chicago. They don't say a word about it. Why? Because we know the shootings there are a symptom. Just like the shootings in the rest of America are a symptom. The shootings in Chicago are a symptom of hopelessness and fatherlessness, education or lack thereof, of broken families. That is what is causing the shooting in Chicago. It's not the gun. Quite frankly, you take away the guns and the African-American community will be as helpless to protect themselves as they were when the Democratic Klan came riding into town with their horses and their robes and their torches and took the guns away from the African-Americans for their own safety and protection. Well, maybe it's our children. Maybe the children are the problem. You'd never give scissors to children and have them run around with them. Yeah, well, we're not children. But perhaps that is one of the infections that we refuse to diagnose. We more and more every day ask the government, corporations, public institutions to treat us like children, not just children. In fact, we ask our children to act like adults. Hey, kids, you're four. Let's go to the library and meet a drag queen who's going to tell you how to twerk. 
What the hell is that? Hey, you're 14. You can make the decision on your own about a child. You want an abortion? You have a right to it. But once it comes to paying for your health care, no, you got to be 24, 26, 30, 30, 40. You're never really responsible for anything. It gives us an excuse to have everything we want, do whatever we want, and never have to pay for our own sins. But I'm not a child, and I don't wish to be treated like one. Our children, they're treated as helpless babies, and that is an infection in and of itself, causing so many of our children to become ill. They don't want to be treated as morons, babies, or endless, never-ending children. Fifteen-year-olds have changed the world, but that's only when they're expected to. They rise to the occasion. And just as the occasion is calling our children the loudest, we medicate them. We tell them to conform to an increasingly meaningless and senseless sect of doctrines. We fail to actually educate them in any real and meaningful manner. We don't teach them how to think. We teach them what to think. We baby our children. We lower the bar. We expect less when they are crying out for more and more. And then what we do? We offer them a hopeless and worse yet meaningless worldview and future. Then a third of us adults claim we expect too much from them. Another third of us adults say, well, it's not our kid. And finally, maybe a third Take a look at our failing marriages, our growing debt, a life that is without purpose, and say, maybe that might be a problem. Meanwhile, most of Americans claim our children are just lazy. They don't want to work while having whatever they want. All the while, they continue to pile up the unprecedented debt on their shoulders, making them effective slaves to a future so we could have whatever we want right now. But let's not talk about that problem. Because the problem certainly, certainly is not our children. Or what we're teaching. Or what we're expecting. Or what we're not expecting. It's got to be race. Race has got to be the problem, right? No, race and our relations is yet another symptom. It's a symptom of moral corruption. And it's moral corruption in those who want us and need us to fear each other. There was a song in South Pacific a long, long time ago. And it had the line, you have to be carefully taught to hate. You have to be carefully taught I don't know of a time, at least in my lifetime, where we have had so many teachers willing, dying to teach us to hate each other. And yet we treat this symptom to mask the pain. We seek any easy answer. Oh, we've got white supremacy going on. Ban the guns. Yeah, that's what we have to do. You know what? Let me tell you something. I have high blood pressure. My doctor prescribes medicine. I have to take it every day. 
Now, I don't ask him what the cause is, and he knows what the cause is, and I do too. Cause is really easy. I'm fat. I eat too much. I'm fat. But I don't want to treat that. I like cake and ice cream. I'll just take a pill so I can have the cake and ice cream too. What? This is America. Why can't I take a pill? Don't talk to me about being fat. As my waistline increases, so does my need for a higher dosage, and my delusion grows, and that's what's killing me. And it's allowed to fester longer and longer, and there are millions of these miracle pills or solution. And in every case, it only makes things worse. Don't have a, the right credit score to buy a house? Don't worry. No credit checks. We won't even ask for proof of ID or even a job. And we all allow this con to work. And when it comes undone, we blame somebody else. The bank was greedy and wanted your money. The politician wanted to be seen as helping you live your dream house all the way down the line. And best of all, I'm really just a big kid. I'm not really responsible. They are. So the lie gets bigger and bigger, and so does the infection. If I have a heart attack, it'd be easy for my family to blame the doctor. But, you know, I know what the cause of my heart attack is. Me and my unwillingness to live in reality. That exercise is needed. And that we're blessed, blessed to live at a time where food is so plentiful. So now we have to do something that goes against human nature. Don't eat food when it's available. Because it's available now, in an hour from now, tomorrow, next week, and God willing, for the rest of our lives. It's time we face self-evident truths. The best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, it's Glenn, and if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Well, I was interested to see uh, that um, the Republicans have not changed. You know, when I went to Australia, and I'll be posting this critical scientific information later, my son and I, we took a video of the water draining into the drain and we didn't use the toilet because you know the toilet can actually force water one way or the other so that's not real scientific you got to put it in a drain in a still sink and does it go the other way around i don't know because neither of us could remember which way it went when you know we were on this (laughs) side of the planet so we have no idea but there are some things that are true and republicans Selling out every principle that is enshrined in the Constitution in the Bill of Rights, that never changes. They'll do it every time. Congratulations, Republican Party, for when you really need to take a stand, when you can use facts. Don't use facts. Don't do it. Run for cover. Run for those popularity points. Screw God-given rights. This red flag idea, oh, this is brilliant. By the way, I don't know if you know this, but there isn't a single thing you have to have checked in your background if you go buy a gun. You could be a two-year-old child and buy a fully automatic 50 caliber weapon today. No background checks are needed. Unless that's exactly untrue. Unless that's exactly the opposite of what actually happens in America.
But don't let that bother you if you're a Republican. No, no, no. Take the bait. Go with the red flag laws. So you know if you voted for the Republicans, this is the beginning of the end of the Second Amendment. The red flag laws are the worst thing that could happen. First, it's it's family members who say someone needs to take their guns away without due process. Well, isn't due process the thing that you know, we were all around, uh, we're all about. Isn't that, isn't due process the thing that separates us from those countries that just kick down doors in the middle of the night? So legal gun owners can have somebody say, you know, uh, let me tell you something. Let's say you have family members in, oh, I don't know, Portland. Are you even talking to your neighbors in Portland or your family members in Portland? Are they even talking to you now? They have Trump derangement syndrome so deeply. They hate the fact that you even own guns in the first place. They hate the fact that you have them. They hate the fact that you don't think like them. You are one immigration argument away from them calling the feds and saying you shouldn't be allowed to own guns and should have them taken away. That's how that, that's what we're really talking about. And if they're keeping list of who they think are dangerous and you have a justice Democrat in the White House, guess who's going to be on that list? Oh, I don't know. All of us. Oh, and the best part is... Once you have some cat lady, you know, shirt tail relative who drops a dime because they hate that you support Donald Trump. Guess who's never going to be able to buy a gun again? Question six on the new background check asks if there's ever been a determination by a court, board, commission or other lawful authority say that you shouldn't have a gun. You'll have to check that for the rest of your life because of the cat lady. Because someone didn't like the way you voted. Because someone who you're now divorced from, somebody in the other family that really is pissed off at you, somebody who just doesn't like the fact that you went off on immigration at Thanksgiving dinner can now call and you will never be able to have a gun again. Thank you, GOP. If you support the red flag laws... And you're a member of the GOP. I can't think of a bigger betrayal of the U.S. Constitution. It will literally allow the same people who kick us off of Facebook and Twitter for our beliefs, allow them to confiscate your guns. That's what the GOP is considering. The president, if he endorses this, will lose the election and not because people are not going to vote for him but because people who actually believe in the constitution will say i i mean i don't know i guess i'll vote for him because who am i going to vote for i'm going to vote for that person they're crazy but the passion will not be there and once the passion is gone he loses the election if you just want to boil this down to politics, the worst thing the GOP can do is further this kind of legislation. And by the way, 
It is precisely because you believe that you have the right to deprive me of my property against my will that the Second Amendment exists in the first place. Because you think you have the right to tell me what to do. That's the reason this was written in the first place. The argument for banning and taking away guns is the perfect demonstration on why the government is strictly prohibited in doing so. It's also the reason you're supposed to never be able to do it. If you believe you have the right to take away someone else's right, your argument has no merit. If you're arguing for it, you've made the entire case for the absolute need for the very thing that you're railing against. So why argue? All you have to do is simply say, no, the Constitution prohibits this. You don't get to, you don't get to take away anybody's guns. You don't get away, take away anybody's rights. It's not up to you. No human being has any inherent right to take away someone's right to defend themselves. And what you're talking about is your right to initiate the use of force against another human being to take away their right. No matter what social problem you believe you're solving, what equation you're trying to balance, if you're on the side of an argument that must necessarily initiate the use of violence against another person or group for its success, you've come up short in your philosophical evaluation. Because it relies on the immoral action for its execution. Well, you, you would rise up against... Yes, of course I would rise up against you. You're taking away someone's right. Even if I didn't own guns, I would be against you. Well, the law. Well, okay, wait a minute. Hang on. Let, let's, can we just talk about the law here for a second? It doesn't matter what the law says when it comes down to right and wrong, at least in America. Let's say, let's say America, for some reason, the law decides that, you know, a woman can be raped by her husband at any time. She has no right to ever say no. Well, if that's what they pass in Congress, if that's what the Supreme Court says is legal, do we just all go along with it? Do we all just say, oh, okay. Well, we'd never do that. Really? We'd never do that? Because I don't know if you know this in our history. The Supreme Court said one group of people could enslave another group of people. So it's not beyond us. And if you're saying that it's white supremacy right now that is driving all of this madness, well, gee, then aren't we on the road back to slavery? Because I've heard Joe Biden said, you know, they just want to throw you all back in chains. That's a quote. So aren't we on the road back to insanity? Wouldn't the laws that we have, the Constitution that protects everyone's right, to be free. Wouldn't that become more important? Because I don't know about you. But just because just because the law says something doesn't mean 
that it's right. I would stand against the law to enslave another person. I would stand against a law that would say a, a wife has to submit to her husband at any time. I would stand against those laws, and I would stand against the law that's, that says a human being does not have a right to use everything in his power or her power to defend themselves. Guns, are, guns stop rape all the time in America. Guns stop rape. Women use a gun because they are physically, well, I, I dare not say this, unless we want to talk about those new girls that are identifying as girls who are now on sporting teams who are crushing the girls in girls sports because they identify as girls stop with this it's not science it's not real it doesn't make any sense because women are built differently than men men can overpower them that's why a lot of women carry guns and it's wise if you're a woman who is a target or in danger, or you just don't feel safe. If you are a responsible gun owner and you know how to use it, look, if you don't know how to use it, it's most likely going to be turned against you. But if you have confidence and you know what you're doing with that gun, believe me, nobody's going to be raping you. You're going to take that right away from my daughter? You're going to take that right away from somebody's wife? Somebody else's daughter? I don't think so. And I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what any executive order says. I know what the first or the second amendment says. And the first amendment gives me the right to defend it. And the second amendment gives me the right to defend it even stronger. That's why it's in the Constitution. The Constitution was written, and then everybody got together and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There are going to be some dumbass politicians that are going to be coming down the line, and they're going to try to change this and turn us all upside down. And so the politicians at the time said, no, 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 that's insane. We're never going to do that. Really? Then why don't you write them down? Here's 10 things that you need to write down. And so they did. Oh, the Founding Fathers, they could have never seen what was coming. Really? Because it seems like they saw this one coming. That's why they wrote it down. Screw your scourge to the sticking place, to quote Shakespeare. Now is the time. You either believe in the Second Amendment and in the Constitution, or you don't. We know the GOP does not. Send them the message, and send the White House the message. You do believe in the Second Amendment. And you will remember those who either stood for the Constitution or failed to do so. So what else did I miss uh, while I was gone? You know, the, the country going to hell. Uh, but it's been going to hell for quite a while. Well, I think you missed some things on the whole gun issue. I, don't, I mean, you're, you're missing you're missing maybe the most important points. Oh, you really? Yeah, like a close advisor to Mitch McConnell, Scott Jennings, mm-hmm. said that he spoke with the leader this week and encouraged him to pursue a background check bill. And you know, you talked about the Constitution, people's God given rights, but listen to this argument. I think we've reached a tipping point. The polling clearly supports that notion. 
So if you ha- if you take that into account, then how do you feel about it? Because I think that's mm. something you just completely ignored. Mm-hmm. And he said, as long as the president is going to mm. be for something, I think there will be momentum for it in the party, which mm. is really shows leadership. I think if you can just I always w- want to elect senators that will be leaders enough to be able to take the direction from the president, no matter which direction he goes in and follow it. That's the sort of leadership I want out of really? my Because I was looking for somebody who wanted to protect and defend the Constitution of the United <laughs> States of America. That's, that's, that's all I wanted. Oh, you're, are, you, are you even speaking English? No, I, I'm not. I don't even no, understand. I'm not. No, I'm not. It's fascinating because there is serious momentum. I mean, we go back to, you know, Trump has signaled support for this sort of thing before. And every time it's happened, his supporters, his people... People who love him, people who think he's doing a great job as president, rise up and say, Mr. President, we know this might not, you know, you might not be, you don't have the same background as us. You might not be from Michigan. You know, you might not be from uh, from uh, rural Pennsylvania where guns are really important to us and the Second Amendment's really important to us. I understand that. But this is a big issue. You can't cross this line. Please don't cross this line. We heard that from nonstop callers while you were gone. We've seen it all over social media. And he's going down this road. Every other time this has happened, he has backed off because... People in this audience, people in conservative circles, supporters of Donald Trump have, have told him, please don't do this. If you don't let him know right now, they're going to go down this road. And he will lose the election. He'll lose the election, not because people won't vote for him. He'll lose the election because he needs passion behind him. Mm-hmm. He needs people to be passionate. It is passion that will close any gap in the end. It is passion. And certainly the Trump campaign has been a story of passion, right? Yes. So, you know, he, maybe you don't have a, a big-time Trump supporter. They're not going to go vote for freaking some crazy Democrat, obviously. Yeah. But are they campaigning for him? Are they donating? Are they out there making phone calls in that last week? That, are they that's a, motivated to go out in the rain yeah, in November? Exactly. I mean, it's that kind of... It, this is this is why Hillary Clinton lost. Mm-hmm. It's not because they wanted to vote for Donald Trump. It's because they didn't really care about her. Donald Trump must keep the passion. And if he passes any gun bills, I'm telling you, he's not going to have the passion behind him. It's going to hurt him in the election. Please, Mr. President, do not do it. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Hi, it's Glenn. If you're a subscriber to the podcast, can you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? If you're not a subscriber, become one today and listen on your own time. You can subscribe on iTunes. Thanks. So um, I just got back from Australia on uh, Saturday, uh, and I was there for uh, a reuniting of family that you saved, that this audience uh, saved. Um, What's going on right now in the world, and no one's really talking about it, is really what it must have been like after World War II, where so many families were separated and they were spread out in so many different countries and families didn't know if people were alive or not. That's what happened to the Yazidi and Christian community. Um, And we have we have relocated thousands of people, um, many of them to Australia uh, and the Yazidi. Um, community that we have relocated is in a small town called Toowoomba, which I would move to in a heartbeat. Uh, it was 
a small little town that was like walking into, I don't know, my, my hometown of Mount Vernon, Washington, which I think was about 30,000 people. This is about 100,000 people, and there's nothing else around it. Um, and uh, it's it still has the downtown, uh, you know, thriving. It has the biggest mall I've ever seen. It's incredible. It's right downtown. And it's this gigantic mall. And I'm thinking to myself, there's only 100,000 people, and I think they all work in the mall. Uh, I don't know how much per capita everybody needs to spend at that mall, but um, uh, but it also has the downtown. And it's, and it's just this really nice little town. And uh, I went there a couple of days early to meet with uh, about 100 of of the families that are having problems getting their other family members either found or reunited with them because they're in different countries. There's some of them are in Germany. Some of them are in, you know, Sweden or France. Uh, and, and some of them are still in Iraq and they can't get them out. One of them was this, this woman who was one of the slaves. And for some reason, the paperwork is just keeps getting, you know, fouled up. And so we're trying to unite them. And, and I think this is the way it was after World War II, where families were trying to put themselves back together, and they didn't even know who was alive and who was dead. Um, but at that time, countries were working together. Countries aren't working together right now. Uh, and so you'll have people in other countries, and they w- won't be able to cut the red tape uh, and reunite. And we reunited um, this woman named Guli, who was a slave of ISIS uh, for about two years. Everybody in her family was killed except for her and her two daughters. And uh, uh, she was taken away. They were tortured just horribly. Uh, and then the two daughters, because they were 12, I think 12 and 13, uh, were taken uh, and they were separated and they were sold off as slaves, sex slaves, over and over and over again. And it, it, it their story is just oh, remarkable um, how this, this one 12-year-old girl managed to survive and escape. Uh, for a year, she, was, she hid in a house uh, like Anne Frank. I mean, she, they had a little place behind the, the cupboards. That she would go and she would live. She was 12 years old. What she went through is remarkable. Um, But we reunited her with her mom. They both thought she was dead. And I have to tell you, uh, if you hadn't seen your daughter since she was 12 and you thought she was dead and then she was found out to be alive and you were reuniting what would be the what would be the one thing on that day you would want to do when the day you're reunited what would be the one thing that you would want to do i just want to be with her all day okay and i wouldn't want anybody around her mom we found out the day that she was reunited i'm standing at the airport and i'm waiting with her she is just so sweet. She's so great. And um, she says through interpreters, uh, she says, you have to come. You have to come to our house t- today. 
after this is all over, you have to come. And I said, no, 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 be with your daughter. And she was like, no, you, you have to come. And one of the interpreters said, uh, this is tradition. You really want to go. And um, she made a meal for us. It took her two days to make all this food. And when you think of Yazidi food, you must, if you're like me, you're thinking, yum, right? <laughs> I have no idea what Yazidi food is. She worked and worked and worked, and it was luckily really good because I told my son when we went in, I said, we've got to eat it no matter what it is. If it's spiders, yeah. we've got to eat Even it. Even if it's the Indiana Jones thing where they like, <laughs> cut open a brains. snake and right. there's monkey. Yeah, yeah this guy, we got to go it. for it. Uh, and it was really good. She refused to let us go until we until she fed us. She she like for two hours we were like, really should be with your daughter. And she's like, We're fine, we're fine, we're fine. You cannot leave. And the men were telling us this is like big customs. You don't break this. And they were so sweet and so kind and so nice. And the neighbors, we met the neighbors from Australia and they were kind and nice. At one point, because we reunited, now think of this in America. Because we reunited, there were all these people, all these Yazidis that were all coming to this little teeny house on this street corner real close to town, okay? It's like right in downtown. It's across the street from the mall. And um, there's this little teeny house, and all these Yazidi men were there. And then all of us, these white guys, were coming. The police stop the car, and they get out, and they approach us, and they say, going on now i'm thinking immediately oh they think that maybe there's a bunch of you know arab looking people that don't speak english what's going on no 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 no. they stopped because they knew that there were immigrants there and they knew the family and they didn't know the whole situation or anything and then they saw a bunch of white people going in and they thought are they in trouble are they are these anybody causing trouble Meaning that you guys, you were profiled. You were racially profiled. We were profiled. Unbelievable. We were profiled. And I got there and I was concerned about how is this community, such a small community, going to be able to adapt to, you know, these people who don't speak English? Well, I'll tell you how. When we went to meet with them in this old church, really poor, poor church, we go in and we sit down with them and we're talking the about half of them came in and they were like, hello, Mr. Beck. Hello. Uh, how are you? They were speaking English and they were proud to show that they were speaking English. We had to have this meeting like at six o'clock at night, which was, you know, like 3 a.m. to me and <laughs> begging all day. Can't we do this earlier in the day? No, because every single one of them have mandatory school for English that they must attend. They must learn English and Australian customs. And if they don't pass, they get to take it again. It's a year. They can take it again. If they don't pass, they go home. You must speak English if you're coming into Australia. And why? As the Australians told me, because they would be slaves of someone else if they didn't understand the language here. I laughed, and they said, what's so funny? And I said, nothing. It's just the common sense still works here. 
That's humorous to me. We would never even consider that here, you racist Aussies. They didn't laugh. They didn't get that joke. But <laughs> I wonder why. It's it's. Uh, we're going to show you the video of it. I I did a Facebook post last week live from the airport, and there's there was nothing like it. And you need to know that what you're doing is historic. What this audience has done with the Nazarene Fund is remarkable and there is i left there and i said to my son if we do nothing else in our life nothing else in our life our life was worth living because of this moment i wish you could have come with me and i wish i could take you on the thousands of stories that we are compiling every day because you donated to the Nazarene Fund, because you cared. One guy stood up in this meeting. He didn't speak any English, and he must have been about 65 years old, and he kept looking at me, and I kept smiling at him. I could just feel his heart, and uh, he kept smiling back at me, and finally he, he looked at me like, can I talk to you? So I went around the corner, and uh, somebody else who was a friend of his was interpreting. He couldn't speak any English except hello. And he said, he started to cry and he said, I lost my brothers. I lost, um, my children. I lost my wife. I have no one left. It's just me. And he's crying and he's saying, please, please make me a promise that you will go back to America and tell people that this isn't over. Please tell them this isn't over. I have nothing to gain. I don't want anything. I have no one in my family left. Please, my people are being wiped out. Please let them know it's not over. So can I ask you a question about this whole Australia thing? Yes. You went and you had this situation where you, you know, this audience rescued someone who was thought to be dead, who was going to reunite with the mother mm -hmm. in the family. You mm -hmm. told the family, hey, we're going to bring her here. You're going to have this big reuniting thing. You were able to put it on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I'm just questioning, though, the way you did it. Um, you didn't seem to utilize any of your skill as a broadcaster to increase the drama of this moment. For example, you told them in advance. Yes. Like, did you consider at all maybe like delivering a large cake and then she jumps out? I thought about did saying, you? hey, we have news about your daughter. Bum, 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 yes. bum, bum, bum. Like bum. long pause. She is bum, 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 bum. Not dead. Mm. You know, I and thought they, about doing that. Right. And then yeah. they have like they have this big reaction. Yeah. And you're like, you know what? I want to tell you the story. Let's sit down. I want to have a quick meal. Wait. Yeah. And then. Right. She, in disguise as the waitress, right. comes over, serves the whole day, and I just want to tell you one thing. Look at the waitress right now. And then she takes off a mask, and it's her. Yeah. Then we have, and we have all that the would, cameras there. We, we capture good. it, and we don't tell anybody about it now. We Can I tell you how much, airs. and you know this is true. Can I tell you how much, because there were documentary filmmakers that were there that are making this documentary of this story and all the stories of um, OUR, 
and the Nazarene Fund. And um, uh, I kept saying to them all day, all day, this is so intrusive. Do you want the cameras in your face if you're being reunited? Right, with you? of course. I not. mean, I was like, please, let's let's just go away. Let's just leave these people. <laughs> right. You know, uh, and that's why I did not. I kept I really did not want to go have lunch with the family because I'm like, you're come on. We're first of all, we have to sit on the floor. I'm an American. I can't sit on the floor. For, I said that to I said that to her mom at one point. She gets she's like older than I am. And she's just getting up and getting, you know, going up and down. She's not sitting on a chair. We're sitting on a floor eating. And uh, and, you know, she's getting up and down. I have to get up once. And I'm like, oh, okay, I think my legs are locked. I don't think I can. And I looked at her and I said, I can't I, I could I could never be a Yazidi. And she kind of looked at me funny. And I said, look at me. I can't get up from this position. I'm clearly an American. And everybody laughed. Uh, but it was it was hard because it felt intrusive. Yeah. You know? You know what doesn't feel intrusive? What? You set up, you say, look, we're going to fix, you're going to fix your house up. We're going to do repairs right. on it. You walk them back. There's a bus in front of the house. <gasps> then you say, hey, everybody, move that bus. They pull the bus away. Same crappy house, but the daughter in front of it. Wow. That's a promotion. That's that how you be, draw some that's attention. That's how we do it? Yes. That's how we do it. I, can you imagine this Next reaction? Time. Now, it would be really bad if they were disappointed. Oh, we thought we were getting improvements to the house instead of our daughter. Right. I mean, that would be a, a bad. <laughs> but that one, you just don't air that episode. Right. Or you edit Why around not? it uh, yeah. very carefully. Why not? So I'm a little disappointed in you as an American, as a broadcaster, as a capitalist. You know what also uh, I'm, I'm failed to do is get any of the anger or the outrage. That's true. You didn't. Yeah, I didn't get any of that either because they didn't have any. Hmm. It was the weirdest thing. That is it weird. It was the weirdest thing. Uh, Guli, the mother, was telling me what happened to her in captivity. And she's telling me this story that would, ju- would just melt your eyes. Everybody else, we'd be in an institution. And in between, she's like, more chicken? And, y- you know, I said to her, how, are you, how do you deal with this? She's like, it's life. That's what you deal with. No, 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 that's not life. But over there... It is. It is. And we had a serious discussion on they take it, they deal with it, and then they put it away. We deal with it and we make it our story of our life. Hmm. It's just one story in their life. And I think that's much more healthy uh, because I don't think any American would have dealt with it the way this family was dealing with it. I mean, it was really amazing what they went through and how healthy they actually seemed, at least, to be. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.